the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 120, recorded Friday, December 6th, 2013. Sonic Screwdriver. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. My name is Tim Albright, and I'm your host. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. With us this week is the chief muckety-muck and everything fabulous at Control Concepts. His name is Steve Greenblatt. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And also with us is George Tucker. Um, as his day's job, he is the engineering coordinator for World Stage. But he is everything that's good about aviation and nothing that's bad. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine, thanks. Yeah, you know. I don't pay you, so, you know, I've got to give you something. <laughs> uh, it's a labor of love. It's a yeah, labor of love. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes not. So, uh, this week we're going to talk about Barco and moving into some other different areas uh, for them. Whole house uh, wiring. I figured, you know, it's it's getting that time of year where... Those of us in the AV industry, uh, we don't twiddle our thumbs during the winter time, so we've got to find something to do. Uh, there's a couple of really good articles uh, from the folks at EH Pub. And also, uh, the NSCA uh, has their annual conference, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, but first up, Barco is going after a quote-unquote smaller audience. Um, according to uh, According to the uh, AV Network, um, they're ex- expanding what what the wonderful industry has called the huddle room category, and I have my own issues with that term, uh, mainly because, you know what, I'm a football fan, and a huddle is something you get into before you hike the ball, not a freaking room, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Uh, they are getting into uh, the smaller rooms, the smaller areas with their click share, and I actually read uh, a tweet this week that said that the uh, that Barco is going to start incorporating ClickShare into some of their uh, projectors. Did you guys see that? Nobody saw that. All right. No, I didn't catch it. Maybe I just dreamt it. It was, you know, uh, sleep deprivation, but I did see it as well. Uh, so, Steve, here's the first question to you. How big of a deal is this um, that Barco is getting into these smaller spaces uh, with what honestly has been a pretty successful product line for them? Well, I think that what we found over the course of time now is that the smaller spaces are becoming more commoditized. And I guess the the out-of-the-box solutions are probably the best fit there. So they probably look at the their product now as being pretty much the providing the infrastructure for these types of rooms and maybe they, they by getting in there and it, it allows them to to then set the standard for for bigger rooms and uh, I guess uh, be, be the go-to company well and and this whole sharing thing if you don't know what click share is it's a little circular device and you plug it in the USB and when you're ready to present you click the button and you click share 
but integrating this into these smaller rooms, they've had success already in the past with you know conference rooms and stuff like this, and hooking this into into larger projectors. I guess my biggest issue, not biggest issue, but my biggest question is: is the huddle space really that? Not lucrative is probably the wrong word, but I'll use it nonetheless. Is it the is it is it a lucrative enough space um, for them to be going after? There's probably a lot more of them than than your your bigger outfitted conference rooms. So I I you know I, it sounds to me like uh, it it probably is a lower cost for companies to put in a lot more of these rooms where you have an input and a display and uh, very easy to use, no wiring, um, lower cost of installation. So uh, I, and it's probably just a box sale at that point. So I I, I mean I would say yeah I, I think that it is a, and then being that huddle has become this big catchphrase. So I, I guess why not get on board? Oh, don't say box sale to an integrator. They. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they hate me in St. Louis. Uh, George, we'll start off first of all. Barco getting into the smaller space, is that a good idea or not? Well, I think it is because we discussed something about this in a couple of uh, episodes ago, or maybe I discussed it with somebody else. I can't remember. But Barco is going to be in a position where they're selling displays or projection equipment, and others are connecting to it, and they're getting that add-on sale, however simple it is aside from them. So why shouldn't they get part of the profit when they have the technology to do it? Uh, I think uh, some other companies, I think Christie has something like this that yes. they do, which is a, maybe that's what we were talking about. Actually, that's probably what we were talking about. Uh, why lose those sales when it's really a low impact to the people putting it in and you're still going to get the money from it? And that that's basically my argument. Do it. Okay. I wonder too if it provides them the hook into these rooms too. Mm, maybe, sure. maybe maybe there is some way that they they can then use it for some sort of monitoring or build upon having a, a little a, a small bit of technology that's the basis for that room. Kind of like a, a carrot to get you uh, to get them in the door, and then hey, by the way, we've all we got all this other stuff you know that you can that you can purchase. It, it's almost kind of like Crestron's room view inside. Or whatever that's called, the mm, yeah, right. integrated the, the Crestron inside. <laughs> so, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I shouldn't poke fun, but it's well, funny. And again, this is that time of year. Everybody's crossing over. Everybody's sort of bumping into everybody else's marketplace, and you get to a threshold where you have to do that. You, you don't have. You don't have to do that. You don't. You don't have to. But there becomes a certain threshold where it makes money. Okay. Where it's important to do that, and the crossover potential, as as we just mentioned, is a potential of greatness that you must do it. Sound like a professor saying that, but you, know you I mean. sound very professorish. Yes, saying that. Professorish. The reason Let I said you don't. This. The, re <laughs> the reason uh. I say you don't have to do that is this, <laughs> uh, and I've said this before, and I've actually written about this. There are some companies that I absolutely love their core business. Right, I absolutely love what they do, and then they start diverting. They start going down different roads that, granted, don't make sense to me, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and I never will ever claim to be. I, I make fun of Crestron and the shades because I still don't get the shades, and both of you have told me why, and Matt Scott has told me why, and I've had folks at Crestron tell me why. And yes, from a business model, I get it. But, you know, what's, what's so wrong about focusing on your core business and what you do really, really, really freaking well and let somebody else make the stupid shades or, or whatever it is. So, 
Uh, George, the other question uh, was huddle rooms in general. Is this a viable space or is this just this year's uh, catchphrase? I think that all depends on what next year brings us financially. Yeah. If the markets do better and we want more dedicated space, I don't think it'll become the the jour thing to do, the, the hip thing to do. Although, look at the spaces, especially in metropolitan areas, where startups are sharing corporate space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of these popping up. It pops up in many of the cities where the downtown has deteriorated and no one's really renting long term. These are the spaces they're going to use those for. That's where this really will probably take off and, and work really well. And everybody wants to be viewed as a startup. So if the startups are coming to you and you have similar spaces, yes, I could see that sort of rolling along and becoming the standard simply because everyone wants it. Kind of like, like the little uh, the incubators. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look around New York, Seattle, Portland, even on the uh, other urban cities in the Midwest, there are incubator buildings that maybe used to be financial and fully, you know, rented out to financial firms that are no longer there. You need to do something with the space. That's what they're doing with them. Temporary offices, shared spacing, even the offices say, why do you need an office? Just come to us with a professional receptionist and, you know, a set aside space for your company. Look and sound professional. All right. Isn't it also becoming popular in the education space where they, they bring, have these little smaller areas where students can gather around and collaborate? I've, I've seen it in a few that, that we've encountered. Well, I've seen it in more than a few. And, and I, I, you know, we're a community college, so I have a different use case for things. Uh, the, the place that I, I work on a full time basis, we're a community college. And so it, it's a commuter school. And so you don't have a whole lot of that. But I have friends at UCLA, and and, and uh, my buddy uh, um, uh, Matt Silverman worked for uh, George Mason and some others, where they're saying the exact same thing. Yes, absolutely. You've got collaboration. You've got these classes uh, and these this coursework where you have to have students collaborating. You know, jo- you know sitting around a, a mm-hmm. common table, and the ability for each student to take their work and, and put it up on a big screen and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm working on. This is my theorem here. Uh, instead of having everybody crowding around one person's laptop, whether that's a 13-inch or a 17-inch, being able to put that up on a big screen, yes, is very, very beneficial. Um, and I can see, I can definitely see use cases for that in, in larger educational institutions. We just don't happen to be, um, our coursework doesn't doesn't typically uh, lend itself to, sure. that, to that use. So. All right, folks, um, this is the part of the show where we scare the bejesus out of you. Uh, from Gadget, scientists create malware that communicates using sound, no network required. Mm. Now, I don't remember which episode this was, and, and George, maybe you do. Um, you used the term air gap with me, and it was very yes. funny to me because, you know, what was the biggest problem? I think it was a video connection, and it was an air gap. You know, the actual Hyde and Peden's air gap. Yeah, Hyde and Peden's air gap. The, the <laughs> plug was actually disconnected. Yes. Um, and, and something that that I've uh, I've not I've written about and, and and just openly questioned both AMX and Crestron and some other folks is the security of control systems. Uh, is the mm-hmm. security of um, getting a, a piece of, of you know virus or a, some sort of malware in there, and that can compromise your system, especially as we're putting more and more uh, smart buildings in and, and these systems are controlling more and more of our lives, uh, this this is going to be a concern. At least I, I personally think it's going to be a concern. They all say, no, don't worry about it. We're small enough. Nobody's going to bother making a, a, a piece of spyware or, or virus for us. Mm-hmm. 
how big of a deal is this for us in the industry? The fact that there are you know potentially these these uh, computer viruses that can jump over air without being connected to uh, an actual system. Um, how vulnerable, I guess, are our systems as we get more and more on the network? Well, uh, how, how vulnerable? Well, first of all, this one, talking about sound waves, the network has nothing to do with it. If you well, read yeah, some of true. the article, there's an original article that they, they referenced from Ars Technica, I think it was, about how the guy discovered that when he disconnected the speakers, even though he had Bluetooth and Ethernet, all the cards removed from the new computer, it was still doing this little IP ping and getting some bits of information out. So he's presuming it's high-frequency stuff. I don't know yet. It still sounds very mysterious to me, and parts of the article are written in a way that make me think of the guy that attached the electrodes to his eyes and blinked to do the uh, the, the 3D without uh, glasses. Mm -hmm. I, don't ask me why, but I'm getting that feeling. I don't know why yet. But if it's true, it's not that difficult to do. But like they say, the data rate is terrible. But if they can improve that data rate of transmission, it was infecting embedded systems, he said. So it was overwhelming the BIOS and then being able to rewrite parts of the BIOS for its own use. Mm -hmm. That's scary. All this embedded stuff that we thought was uh, secure, <laughs> you know, aside from somebody hacking into the manufacturer's feed firmware and inserting a rogue uh, operating system. This is pretty scary stuff. And it makes me, uh, it makes me feel um, the people out there better get ready get to drink. I'm going to make a movie reference. Like we're the creature watching uh, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith in the, uh, in the little uh, spacecraft. <laughs> oh, she's nice. You know, that's what it makes me feel like. like okay, wait a minute. We've reached that moment. Maybe not quite, but not quite. But we're but we're we're almost there. And the reason I'm asking is because at a chip level that you mentioned write, rewriting the BIOS, mm -hmm. you could then at the chip level rewrite whatever you wanted. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's the part I guess that that kind of concerns me. Again, not that you know a Crestron a, a system running you know my banquet facility is that big of a deal. But, yes, but AMX, huh? It could be an incidental casualty. Well, I, and I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the, the AMX system or the restaurant, whatever automation system running the DOD. <laughs> you know, right. there's an AMX system down in the war room at the, at the White House for crying out loud. You know, and, and they use fiber to make sure everything's secure and this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? If you can travel over sound waves, nobody has to bring in a USB stick to, you know, infect the, the White House. Uh, you know, it, they could just play, some, play a sound. Yeah, well, though, then I guess you get, like, the military complexes, which don't have RF, they have IR, you're suddenly going to have no speakers. And I guess you'll be back to, well, warning, will be a piezoelectric device on the outside. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Uh, St Steve, you are you work and, and live and breathe in the world of automation. Not that George and I don't, but you do it more than we do. Sure. Uh, how big of a deal is this? Am I just, am I screaming that the sky is falling here, or is this a, a legitimate concern? Well, I, I, you know, I, I guess I, I'd be interesting, interested to see what it first, it, what its first impact is, and what it first does go after. Um, you know, it, I mean, everybody has brought up the, those same concerns that you've said over time. How do we protect ourselves with with uh, with our control systems? What if, and and especially those that are more based around a PC rather than uh, a, a proprietary controller. Um, you know, I, I I am one to be optimistic and say that I, I'm I'm not fearing it. Um, however, I, you know the 
it, it being that it is on the network and and being that um, you know they we, we have we, we've had probably had a lot more vulnerability um, and and haven't had a problem yet so I, I don't know that this is going to be the the one thing that does penetrate all right I just I, I sometimes I feel like I am chicken little so and and, I, and, and, and you know what here's the thing I got no problem being chicken little because you know sometimes yeah sometimes he's right so uh all right uh from the world of streaming nvidia shield now streams excuse me pc games to your ten to your 1080p are you, for you to say. freaking kidding me you know what it's friday and i was on the pacific time zone for all week this week so leave me alone um if you, those of you who don't know i'm in st louis so you know i was two hours behind my life for the for the week um Here's the thing, guys. This is not only does this have impact uh, for gaming uh, because you know obviously you've got um, the ability to do something they've been talking about for a while, which is remote gaming, where you've got uh, you never really purchase a hard physical copy of the game. It lives somewhere on a server somewhere, um, and the ability to push 1080p uh, to the device. But we're also getting to the point where we're streaming 1080p video. Uh, Steve, when it comes to installing, integrating, and designing systems now, um, are, how close are we to where to the point? Are, are, are we to the point yet? And if we're not, how soon before we start? We stop worrying about physical devices like Blu-ray players and start beefing up uh, the network devices that play our videos. I think we're just about there. there you, I, you know, I, I, physical media, I think, is is just about becoming a thing of the past. In in my opinion, I you know I see far less uh, dedicated devices like that, and and you know far more just laptop inputs and and network connections and and uh, and, and that not even a PC a lot of times in, in systems uh, you know the, it's all about the network and it's all it's all about uh, that, that that's really the the future of, of AV and as we know but but also the future of of uh, audio and video transport how does that impact a design though? I mean how, how is that going to impact um, you know not just you, you mentioned you know making sure that there's at least a laptop and, and you're right probably not a dedicated PC like a lot of us have seen, have seen over, the la over the last few years, but at least some sort of connection, whether that's you know uh, HDMI or DisplayPort or even Thunderbolt, God forbid. Um, but how does it impact? I guess what goes in the rack? You know, uh, where where does that uh, take us to? Where, what we stack in the rack? Uh, well, well, as as it stands right now, there's, we still have our our dedicated switcher, so that that you know to to be able to to switch uh, your HD signals, so that you know, that's where we are currently. But yet there are devices out there. Uh, there there's there are switchers that are that, that are more modular and and rely on the network to to do switching. For, from what I understand, I think that there's a, a company uh, SVSI, I think it is that that uh, is is more of a, a network driven uh, switcher hmm. rather uh, which is a little bit different than than your standard um, dm or amx Innova and so forth okay uh george same question to you how how close are we and what does that do uh to what we put in our racks well it's going to be a pico world isn't it i mean the component systems i think are slowly going away whether that's control or it's um our, our files for playback, our system that reproduces it. 
it's more and more we're getting to that form factors, whether it's driven by the technology is getting smaller, so we have to go that way just because we want things smaller and sexier, or because some, for some of us, the living spaces are getting smaller. Think of that that way. Uh, in urban areas, the living area of an individual is getting smaller, and in certain parts of the countryside, the Midwest, they're getting larger. There's a, a uh, the American Association of Architects put out a study a couple of months ago about this, how it's the urban areas are shrinking and people wanting them to be smaller, and the opposite's happening. So we have these this di diametrically opposed, easy for me to say, uh, situations going on. But the electronics are going to make us want them smaller, and the physical medium will be pushed out. It's not what we really want. And what I love about this tool is that it's an all-in-one thing, but then you can map the motion control. So I can still not be a gesture. I don't have to wave my hand. I can just use the controller to, to say, okay, I'm going to do the thumb drive, uh, the thumb uh, joystick, and move around. Yes, you That could. was my big attraction to this thing. It's oh, like, geez. absolutely, that's what I need. I want this right you now. You want a physical controller. <laughs> All right, let, let me ask you guys this. this. And, and I, I'm not going to – I spent the week at, at Biamp's training uh, facility mm. learning the new, new Tessera, which was a really great training. I'll, I'm going to write a blog post about it for Monday. Um the thing that struck me was this, and it's it's a conversation I had on the show on the show floor of Infocom. I want to say <laughs> two thousand nine, two thousand eight, somewhere in there. And I was talking with the manufacturer about um, infrastructure, and you know, making sure that we have switchers and this, that, and the other. And they made the comment. They said, "There's going to come a day when you won't have an actual physical switcher. You're going to have a creation point. Let's say it's a wall box that you plug in." an HDMI connect connector to. And you're going to have a display device. And the two of them are going to talk over some sort of protocol. And let's, let's say it's a network protocol, AVB or HDBase-T or something else that we, none of us have never known about yet. And the switcher is really going to be the network. You know, the, the switch, the switcher, you know, uh, the big 48 by 48 switcher that we have in, in these large, you know, banquet halls are going to go away, and the, the network itself is going to become the switcher. Uh, are, are we there yet to that? And if, if not, you know, how, how close are we uh, there? George? I don't know yet. Um, we still got a lot of infrastructure that will take a while to sort of weed out of the system before that becomes a reality. Uh, I don't know, and I got to tell you offhand, I don't know the, the the actual technical physics of it that it could do it. Uh, um, maybe someday, sure. You know, we said we would never have uh, you know all the audio, video, and cameras and everything else in a little box about the size it can actually be smaller than this now. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, will it happen? Yes, but I don't know how soon. I really have a, a, a I have a fair amount of mixed optimism and skepticism on that okay uh steve are we are we anywhere close to where you know the network itself is is has become the switcher i'm not sure if the technology can handle it yet but i think that, that that's the way we're going I'm, I'm pretty confident in that and and i you know to your point where you were saying that that you just have inputs and outputs within the local room i guess you could you could also see that in in spaces where they have a, a centralized where they have all their equipment centralized and then they just have all these satellite spaces with one big switcher in the middle that uh allows you to send anything to anywhere and mm -hmm. and that's kind of the, the same idea as what you're talking about it's just using our current technology rather than using the network but but i think that that the uh 
the idea is, is certainly a, a lucrative one and, and is the, the future. And uh, I guess it's just a matter of have, being able to know that the network can support it and everybody is willing to adopt that, that, that approach. Well, and, and, I have a question on that then. Yes. So for integrators, it becomes a simple plug and play. It's a one box somewhere else. See, and I don't think it does. Okay, that, that, is that where we're leading here, though, is, again, well, we had the Pico conversation earlier. Hmm. Here, okay, so here, here's why I say that. Hmm. Um, all of us have been talking about the fact that AV is turning into IT quickly, 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 right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you use AVB as, as an example. There's not a whole lot of switches yet that will support AVB. Cisco, who's on the, on the board of, a, of the Avenue Alliance, still doesn't have uh, a... a a switch that they're you know selling out there. The the most stable one that I've heard of on a on a commercial pro level is the extreme uh, switch. Hmm. So you take that concept, right? That idea that AV is turning into IT is quicker than some of us would like. That's why I don't think that the integrator is is necessarily going to be a, a plug here and a plug here. They're also going to have to support the infrastructure. They're going to have to spec the cabling. We talked about the bandwidth uh, issues. They're going to have to make sure that what they're putting in, as far as the the twisted pair or fiber, whichever one, is going to support what they're what the endpoints are going to support. And they're also going to have to be either supplying or specking the the switch that goes in, because right now the CTO of whatever corporation you know doesn't really care that that it supports. Uh, audio and video and, and whatever else. He just cares about making sure that the data packets get from point A to point B in a quickly and efficient manner and that his IT managers can can manage those switches. And you start putting audio and video on the on their backbone and they're going to uh, need educating, first of all, and then they're going to need to care about it. So that's why I don't think that the integrators are just going to be uh, selling the endpoints. They're also going to have to be intimately involved in everything that happens between those endpoints. Well, riddle me this, and if I'm not cutting you off, Steve, yeah, yeah. a lot of devices that we have now have embedded chips inside the cable. Currently, they're you know they're about maybe they're mm, the old matchbooks, <laughs> if anybody remembers those size little covered cables. But there's a lot of technology in those where that could become the technology you plug into the wall outlet, whatever that connection is, as you said earlier with the the, the protocol. And that becomes your managing the switch. It becomes managing the data because that's got the processing power or soon will. These little tiny embedded microcontrollers could be the future of all that, and that's where it all lives. Now, we can make the argument of it won't pass the bandwidth for audiophile or it will lose data and, you know, we should be up at 48 kilohertz sample, not 42 or 41, sorry, 44.1. But it may be the future because convenience and low overhead is where they want to go. Now, how soon that is, as I said earlier, I don't know, but it's a thought that suddenly occurred to me is that I could go with that. A case full of cables that have their own technology and smarts in them and connect them together and they're in a talking mesh network. Yep. If you think if you think about it, there's your control too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're the guys who just have to understand how to make the protocol work until they make plug and play on that grand of a scale work and that'll keep us in the money for at least a little while. <laughs> Because you to, know it ain't going to work out of the gate. Uh-uh. Going to go back to hanging flat panels, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you make I, a good, I'm screw gun. We'll travel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you, you make a good point. And, and the reason I, I – we're kind of there already, though, with, with the networks because uh, HDBase-T this past year, have they've released their, uh, their Switch sort of, you know, where you can go in and out in, in their DAs. 
Um, we're still using, though, these converter boxes. And I guess if, if we ever come up with, with a standard and don't throw things at me, George, because uh, we don't need another standard, uh, then, you know, that would be that would be nice. So I don't know. We're, uh, we'll see. Uh, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there, if I can click on his picture properly, is Steve Greenblatt. Also with us is George Tucker. Uh, an interesting question uh, from one of our friends, Julie Jacobson. Uh, she asked the question in CE Pro, does it pay to be an early adopting reseller of new tech like 4K, UHD? Uh, let's, let's get down to 8K maybe. Um, Steve, we'll start with you on this one. How close to the bleeding edge uh, is profitable, I guess, is, the, is another way to ask this. Well, as somebody who has to be responsible for making it work, I try to stay away from it. But that, that's my that's my opinion. Uh, but but I but I do understand how it could be profitable because just like any other product, you, you're always going to have your early adopters, and those those people are willing to pay. And if you and if the uh, if the technology if the solution fits the problem and the need is there, then then you know it, it's it, it's a matter of then getting having the right smarts to be able to make it work or having the right patience or being able to rely on tech support. Uh, but, but it's, uh, it, you know, it, of course, you know, the, 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 I think the common opinion is going to be, Hey, you maybe should let it be out for a little while and let it, let everybody else break it before you try put, try putting it in. Well, that's a good question. Should we, uh, let, let's talk about 4k for specifically for a second. When it comes to 4K and, and let's just, you know, resolutions with, because eventually there will be an 8K and eventually there'll be a 16. I'm not psychic here. I'm just not stupid either. You know, this is, this is where they're going with this. Uh, is there a time frame or should we let the consumer industry kind of chew on these things for a while before we touch them? And if so, how long? Steve? Um, so, so I, I get... In um, I think commercial uh, applications lag behind in these types of things, and the uh, I I think the the wow factor is is not as critical in uh, in commercial as it is in residential. So so I I think it is going residential is probably going to break break in these products and and this technology before we we have to get involved and and we start to see it adopted. If if that answers the question. No, it does. It does. George, same question to you. Um, how quickly should we start rallying the troops and, and start slinging 4K and, and 8K when it comes down the pike? Well, it all depends on your clientele, right? I mean, if you've got the clientele who has to have it first, then it's profitable. Uh, if they're the people who will willing to wait and who might be just a bit shy of, I don't know, the DVD, HD, and Blu-ray war that left them some people with gear and material and physical medium that doesn't work anymore in anything other than the one thing they bought, um, you have those two, even in the, in the very 1% wealth market, there'll be those who will want it because they have to have it and those who don't because they want to wait and have something that works, um, as it were. Uh, riding on the bleeding edge, I think, is less and less of a business opportunity, in my opinion. As Steve said, let it roll out, let it work first, then we make it work as a system and provide them with the best options that are out there rather than having to go back again and again to a client that won't pay a service contract for upgrading and making it work with modern equipment, right? Yeah. So the, the, the ability to make money off of cutting edge, as an installer at least, is less and less. Again, you're back to the barcos. You're back to those guys like with the huddle space. 
this is not cutting edge, but why are we even waiting for it to work in other stuff? We have a solution. You see my point. Well, it's it's kind of cutting edge because I, I'm not going to say that Barco invented the space or invented the technology, mm. but they were one of the first to come out with something that was quick and easy to connect several different, that was interesting, several different um, display or several different laptops and, and, and uh, content devices to one single display. Uh, they weren't the first ones by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact that you've got this little button that plugs into, you know, their USB and you click it and that does it. I mean, that, that to me was pretty simple. So I don't know. All right. Moving on from uh, our friends over at E at, uh, electronic house. Um, that was interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I love video feedback. Um, it's artsy. It's it is very artsy. It's very always artsy. artsy. Um, <laughs> from our friends over at Electronic House. Uh, this is where the DIY part of of the uh, the winter, at least for for guys like me, come into play. Um, whole house wiring, and I, I'm going to ask you guys a couple different questions. Uh, the, the article specifically uh, by Lisa Montgomery says seven places not to overlook pre wiring. Uh, but I also want to talk about not just pre-wiring, but after the fact. You know, once you've moved into your house, or let's say that you didn't bu you didn't build your house, uh, you're like George and I, which you know George's house is like 500 years old, and, and my, <laughs> mine's not quite that old. Uh, so George, when it comes to wiring your house, um, your whole house, for whether it be uh, you know uh, network infrastructure or you know some sort of, of twisted pair uh, audio and video uh, distribution. Where exactly are some of the pitfalls, and, and what do you have to make sure that you do? Well, I, from a personal standpoint, what I have to be ready to do is redo an entire room, if not two rooms, once the renovation starts, just to get cable in. Uh, I'm not 500 years old, but I have a 1901 Colonial still with slat boards and plaster in some rooms. Um, so, yeah, I have to be ready to take that all down, put in new framing. <laughs> Jeez. Nothing. So is it, it, it's simple stuff. Is it worth it then at that point? Well, this was the, the, the inspiration, as it were, for the Brundle Fly post that we talk about every so often about wireless video. Yeah. Because I really wanted to go wireless, but it's not going to work because it, would, it doesn't work for me right now based on the way the house is. And I've had to run wires through the walls and redo some of that framing, but I do it at a very piecemeal state. I had money set aside to make nice media rooms, and it's a hodgepodge. It's not a theater. It's a media room because I will not take down six walls <laughs> to do Jeez. this. In modern construction, I see it. You know, uh, when my mom and dad were building their house a couple of years ago, 10, 12 years ago, it was all about uh, putting in Ethernet, twisted pair. Yeah. It was all about putting in coax because coax was still king. I guess in many ways it still is. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of copper run in that house as a sort of insurance against. And he was smart enough to put in two runs of copper per port so that you could always add. So it was two of co coax, two of Twisted Pair Cat 5 back then. Um, you know, those kind of things are still essential, I think, you know, even for being able to have conduit to run for extra power. It's a little off the topic, but if you're in conduit, it's easier, even in a house, to run stuff. Much easier. You know? Yeah, much easier. <laughs> Less well, resistance. Well, let me ask you this, because I, <laughs> George's is, is your 1901 Colonial. Uh, is slightly younger than the college I work at, which was built in the 1830s. Mm. Uh, and we still have buildings that we use from the 1830s, 1840s. Um, and we don't take down entire rooms, but we run, you know, wire mold. 
is there something so evil when it comes to rehabbing and 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 running cables is is there something evil about wire mold that you wouldn't do that i think it's an aesthetics thing okay. um i'm not a huge designer saying oh my god bumps on the wall but it is it's a 19 colonial with big heavy um uh, coping and um I can't think of the word right now. I'm having a brain fart. But all that molding. Thank you. Molding okay. is there. <laughs> and it, it, it just it doesn't look right with it. Okay. In the kids' room, maybe. In the upstairs playroom that we built for them, sure. But I'm not going to put that through my entire living or media space because it just does. It attracts. They're nice walls. It's nice molding. I spent a lot of time taking paint off of them <laughs> and making the wood come out. Mm. Uh, I don't want that to be detracted by a white mold plastic thing, even if it could look artistic. Okay. I've seen the stuff that goes up top, right? Your crown molding. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to look nice. I'm sorry, I'm the son of a builder. I see it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just and that's, I see it. And, and that's it, a valid it, point, you know? Yeah. And that's a valid point. All right, Steve, you're, you're doing your whole house, whether it's a, a rehab or, or uh, it's a brand new one. What's what's two or three things that you have to have to make sure that you have? Well, anybody that knows me knows that I, that that this type of stuff isn't my forte, but uh, I do know that uh, that it's important to to have extra spares. That that's uh, that that that's a, an important thing. You know, the the what ifs and just in cases, and uh, the uh, you know Cat Five, of course, is is, is you know the the, the probably the the do everything utility cable, from what I understand. But uh, I I am. Uh, uh, beyond that, I, I don't really have uh, much perspective because m- m- most of what I do is on the on the PC or yeah, PC on the, the the Mac, and you know, I, wireless is a beautiful thing in that case. <laughs> well, that is that is true. All right, guys, one last story here uh, from Commercial Integrator: Four reasons to attend NSCA's Business and Leadership Conference, the BLC. Um, and this is necessarily about about. I'm not going to ask you guys for reasons, but but maybe one or two, um, to to attend um, the uh, the business leadership conference. Uh, our friend uh, Don Mead, who sits on the board of of Aviation, has been a couple times, and she says nothing but nice things about it. Um, the networking that she's been able to to do for for herself and for her blogging has been phenomenal. Uh, so, Steve, is there one or two reasons uh, that you would give to maybe uh, go out and and uh, join the fine folks at NSCA? Sure, there's there's a host of reasons. Uh, it, it, first off, for our industry, uh, this is a great opportunity to talk about business rather than technology, and I think that that's not something that that we do enough of. So, there there's uh, the speakers that are lined up for something like this, and are also we're also lined up for. Uh, Infocom's AV Executive Conference uh, this past September were, were really all business related, and, and we really didn't talk much about our industry. Uh, you know, the, being able to do that bridge, I think, is really really the the important part. But it, it gives everybody the, the uh, a lot more exposure to other industries. How do we talk to them, and and really, what are the challenges that that we all face as as uh, business people, business owners, uh, professionals, salespeople, um, of course, the networking is is powerful. I mean that that that's that's uh, it goes without saying. Um, but but I, I think that that the the conference um, helps to strengthen us as an industry, and mm. uh, and it's it's a nice departure for from what we're used to in going to an infocom and and really sitting 
and being uh, inundated with technology. Um, so it, I think it, it complements that. And, and uh, I, I did not go last year. I, I'm um, really strongly considering going this year, but I, I went I went two years ago, and uh, I, I would recommend it. All right, George, uh, you'll have the last word on this. Uh, a couple of reasons maybe to, to join the fine folks at NSCA. Well, it's like any con- uh, c- collection of people at these kind of conferences. You're always going to learn something. You know, uh, there's a, a really laudable and notable uh, people speaking, and you're always going to learn something. I mean, n- most of them are not going to give you your standard speech. They might be peppered with some of the standard speech, but they're going to talk honestly to a, a number of people who are in the same industry doing the same thing. It's repeating a lot of what Steve has to say, but if you can hear what others are saying, whether it confirms what you do yourself or you had thought of doing or had never thought of, all in one speech sometimes will give you confidence to say, hey, look, we burn businesses, we read about what's going on in businesses, but even in some of the trade journals, these things are not always, you, you can't tell if that's marketing speak or if it's honest. Right. right there in front of you, you can tell it's honest and you get that honest feel of, I'm not in a silo, I am doing something that seems similar. It's sort of like what social networking does to you. It's like, yes, there are others out there who have the same kind of idea and thoughts and this is, I, I know I'm going in the right place. Yeah. And, and what's nice too is that you think that for a short period of time, even though you may be surrounded by your competitors, everybody has collectively similar challenges and it's a good opportunity to talk them out and see how your, your neighbor deals with the same challenge that you're facing because that, that I think probably 70-80% of, of us all face the same challenges. So I, I think that's another value there. No, that's a really good point is the fact that you, you're most likely not that you're not special. Uh, but your your problems um, are probably not as unique as you think they are. They are, and and finding someone else who has has already walked the road that you're walking is very helpful, uh, especially to hear you know maybe how they got out of it. So, all right, gentlemen, Absolutely. that that's going to do it uh, for us and and for uh, for AV Week for this week. Uh, with us has been Steve Greenblatt. Steve is the chief everything at Control Concepts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was great. Great yeah. first time on video, and uh, I think it went real smooth. Yeah. Uh, how can people get a hold of you or Control Concepts? Uh, we're at controlconcepts.net. I'm, I'm on Twitter as, as well as many of the other social media. Just uh, look me up as Steve Greenblatt. And uh, also join us on the Control Show, uh, State of Control. We're, we'll be recording next week. Yes. Uh, next Wednesday, I believe, isn't it? Yes. I think so. Yeah, next Wednesday. Also uh, with us is George Tucker, the engineering coordinator for World Stage and all things groovy at AV Nation. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Good to be on again, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, and where can people find you? Uh, of course, they can find me anywhere on social media as Tucker Twos. Uh, I write for Tech Decisions Magazine. There's a number of them. And uh, Commercial Integrator, as well as uh, uh, Red Band and Red our Band. blog. <laughs> right, there's this thing called AV Nation. I keep forgetting. You do, you do too much, by the way. <laughs> Just too much. Uh, speaking of, of Red Band and AV Nation, holy cow. I would like to say publicly I had nothing to do with this, but it's really cool. Uh, yeah, we're NDA'd right now, but you guys keep a, keep a listen. Yeah. Keep an ear out. There's something we might do that could be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. All right. Uh, if you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter, it's TD, Tim, David, Albright, but more importantly for me, uh, and everybody here at AV Nation, uh, they've been working really hard on the website. Still some tweaks to do, but it's it's looking, it's getting better. How about that? Uh, go by the website, avnation.tv. 
avnation.tv. You will find this program as well as the aforementioned uh, control show. Uh, I believe we have a DIY, George. Is that right? Coming up in December? Uh, coming up. There's a Pico Perspectives about Pico Projection coming up. Uh, probably in January there'll be a new Projection Freak. And Live Life is in reboot, and we shall be doing something very cool in the next couple of weeks. Very cool. And uh, we also are recording another uh, another EdTech uh, next week, our last one for the year. So, yeah, go right. by the and website. And AV Social. Just and AV Social, that. yes. Uh, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, this has been AV Week. Thank you.